Hey everyone, and thanks for tuning in to this week's message. My name's Aaron, and I'm on the staff team here at Eastlake. Everything we do around here depends on the generous donations of our local and online community. People just like you, who tune into these messages and see great benefit from living that idea that life is a gift and love is the point. So if you love what Eastlake is up to, we'd encourage you to contribute by going to eastlakecc.com. With that, let's jump into this week's message. Today, Kristen Birchenhold talks with Gary Hale as we continue our series, Evolving Faith, Personal Stories of Spiritual Transformation. Please check the description for links to our quarterly Spotify playlist and guided meditation. Okay, Eastlake, I am back for the next installment of our series, and I'm so excited for you to get to hear from Gary Hale today. Gary has been involved with Eastlake for years and years, um, from near and far, and so I'm just thrilled to have you here. Thanks for being a part of this, Gary. Um, And I don't know if you know this, but this series was inspired by that book that I sent you, but also by a question that you asked me when we were at an Eastlake group, um, not, I don't know, a, a year and a half ago, two years ago, we were just standing around kind of before and Gary said to me, and there was other people there too, um, and you said, what were some moments along the way when you knew that things were changing? And I, I remember this. Yes. Do you? Yes. Well, and I remember because I wanted, we got cut off because we had to start our group thing. And I was like, yes. oh, we were just at the beginning of getting into it. But yeah. Well, I just remember I went home and I, I don't even remember what we did at that meeting that night. But I remember the question that you asked because it's such a good question. So um, thank you for doing this and being a part of this with me. Um, I think I'd love to start with just a brief kind of history of um what kind of religious spirituality kind of was handed to you as you kind of were in your formative years? And you don't have to talk, you know, long, but I just want to hear what was kind of the street that you grew up in and was it neat and kind of that thing like the book? Yeah. um, So my my journey is is, um, interesting in that, so... I think a lot of times when I was a pastor for 15 years, so I think a lot of people think like, oh, you must have just kind of grown up in that that sort of camp. Um, but I actually grew up with this sort of Catholic, well, pseudo-Catholic background. We called us priesters back in the day. You know, mm-hmm. we went, to, went on Christmas and Easter, and um, that was sort of what it looked like in, within the Catholic tradition. And um, so I, n- I never really took it all that seriously. To me, it was more just this is what my parents said we needed to do to be, you know, quote unquote, good people. Um, so it was never really like a truly lived experience. It was just sort of like a, like throw it on to make sure the rest of the family is kind of happy. Also, they, they know that we went to the the place that we are all supposed to go to on these two particular holidays. Um, and that was sort of it. But I think at the same time, I, I had always this sort of this genuine curiosity about, um, like God and, and, you know, I would ask some of those, those types of questions about spirituality or the universe and, and some of these large existential types of questions growing up and all through high school. Um, and then it was when I was 
about 20 years old, I converted to Christianity um, through like a retreat type of experience. And I was in the evangelical tradition. Um, and from there it was, you know, it was like this, I, I was on this like fast track of, I want to just invest my whole life into this. And so that's sort of what it looked like for about 15 years until, um, you know, gone through some more recent transitions. Okay. So 15 years of evangelical is kind of. Yeah. Of yeah. Deeply rooted in it. Yep. Okay. Um, so what that experience for you, what parts of it were really great for you? The yeah, evangelical um, world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I the, the first thing I really think about is the sense of community that is, um, that you are invited to become a part of. And I think as like for me in those those sort of formative years of, of like late high school and college and, and early career, it created a place to, to like form some kind of an identity within a bubble that felt really safe and secure. And I think that's um, something that I really, I think I really liked and needed for that season of my life to allow me to kind of like, I don't know, step into some aspects of my identity. And um, and so then again, with that, like that, the community that's around it, like I think the, the Christian evangelical tradition does a really good job of creating these really like structured ways for you to begin to build relationships. And um, that to me was a, a really a great aspect that I really enjoyed for the, the years I was a part of it. Yeah. Um. And so I sent you that book, The Big Orange Splot. And um, so in that book, there's a seagull that drops a can of paint. And this is kind of like the question that you asked me um, back at that group. What sort of like aha moments happened for you that started to change the way you were thinking about things? Or what were some of those books, the conversations or the moments? Do any stand out to you? Oh my gosh, there are so many along the way. I think it's, it's Rob Bell that talks about like the clicks along the way or, or something like okay. that. And um, so I really like that language. But so I, I guess to, to share maybe like the, the biggest one for me was, so I went and started a, a evangelical church plant in the Bay Area back in 2014. And um it was during those years that I really started to just sense those like orange spots were just kind of dropping down. And very specifically what happened was within the first few months of, of me starting this Southern Baptist church, right? So it's a very conservative. Um, I remember one, one day I was up there getting my preach on and, and I looked out in the audience and I had met very, lots of different people. And I, I sort of like did this count in my mind of um, how many people identified as LGBTQ plus. And at that point, it was about 30% of our uh, our church, our new church plant, of new Southern Baptist church plant um, that identified them like that. And so I remember even like as I was like preaching that Sunday, um, thinking like something was happening in me. Like, and it felt like, okay, that's really interesting. Nobody would think I would have that audience as a part of this very conservative um, Christian community. And so that sort of feels like it was just like, it just kind of like dropped into my faith community. It's not like I was specifically asking or targeting uh, that specific audience, but um, we were just creating a space where I think they, they felt welcome and like they could be, really be themselves. And I think that was one of those real first moments of like, oh, okay, I think I need to investigate maybe this aspect of um, the Christian belief system. 
Um, and it just so happened that Eastlake actually was going through the same journey right around that same time. I think it was a month later that Ryan uh, made that stance and took, took the church really through this inclusion process. And um, so, yeah, I was like, that was one of the moments. I think it was that like, um, like human story, like the empathy, that that like human connectedness that I was like, I'm in relationship with these people and that grew my curiosity. That was the first click. And then it was many along the way. So, I mean, um, I think about it kind of in terms of, I, I had to do work with Bible. I had to do work mm-hmm. with historical Jesus, um, work with like the church, work within other religions and, and other practices and beliefs of spirituality. And so like John Shelby Spong, he was one of the ones when it came to Bible, I got, he was like, he was my guy for a season where he just was like blowing my mind. And um, Reza Aslan is another one for me that um, when it came to the historical Jesus, I think his, his book, um, Zealot, was probably the one that ultimately sent me over the edge of, okay, I, I really don't line up with like this... Um, like Jesus as God in the way that the evangelical church calls it and Mm -hmm. this like worship of Jesus in that specific kind of thinking and that pattern. Um, His was really the one where I was like, Oh, okay. I probably need to change careers now. Like, like it was the, I was just going to say, because you're doing this while you're a pastor. Yes, so that's right. Yeah. Are you doing this like on the side while you're still preaching kind of Southern Baptist messages, or are you starting to work this in? Like, how does this process happen while you're leading a church? Yeah. Oh boy. That was, um, that was really challenging season. Cause I really felt like I had to like have a split personality hmm. that I was on my own journey personally of, um, really deconstructing and trying to figure out what do I really believe and, and, and think about all of this. And then I'd have to get up there on Sundays and like, talk about the Bible and quote the Bible <laughs> as the source of all truth. And I just had to, like, it was like mental gymnastic season. It was, how can I say this to where it doesn't feel dishonest for me, yeah. um, but it doesn't push this audience that I'm speaking to too far to where they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Truthfully, it didn't really work. Like, people were caught on to me very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um and I had to really kind of, again, like figure out what does that path look like for me to really exit this community? Because I, I just don't, I don't fit here anymore. And I can't, I can't continue on my own personal journey if I stay in this context. As much as I want to be in the system to try and change it, yeah. I think I just reached a point where um, for my own sanity and my own integrity and health, like I just, I just couldn't do that. And I need to just sort of leap out of it. What did it, can you remember, like, what did it feel like when... You were processing these changes, like the changing thoughts, reading these books. Do you remember what it felt like? Um, Like, was it scary or fearful? Or were you like, wow, this feels like so much freedom? What was it feeling like to you? Yeah, um, I think it was all of those things you said. But the first first one that really rings true is um, loss, I think. Mm -hmm fear and loss were the ones that were the the hardest to really kind of face in that season because I sort of knew I was going to lose some very meaningful things to me and relationships because as I would try and like explore some of these, like, Oh yeah, have you, have you read anything by Spong? And people 
many and evangelical like what it's like oh i didn't know he was that controversial for this group and so it's like as i would try and test it out a little bit i, I found it was rejected very quickly and so it made me kind of go oh okay like that that means this this dynamic of this relationship and how i fit into this um whole religious system it's probably going to get messy and I'm probably going to lose some things. I'm going to lose mm. mentors and uh, friendships and community and my career, like all of those things. So it felt like almost like losing everything. Fortunately, my, me and my partner were on the same page in this journey. So I felt a sense of like stability in our family, but um, everything else was sort of like, I'm maybe not to let go of it. <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing you guys at the old East Lake building when we knew that this was what was going on with your church plant. And um, I didn't barely know you guys, but I remember hugging Lindsay in the like foyer of the kids room. And I was like, it's going to be okay. Right. <laughs> we barely yeah. knew each other. And I just like hugged her and scary. It can be scary for sure. Yeah. Well, and, and that's where Eastlake has played such a pivotal um, part of our journey because we have felt like, while uh, we were losing a whole bunch of other things, we still felt like there was a place where we could go like, okay, if we lose all of this, <laughs> we know Eastlake's there <laughs> and they're on the same kind of path and really were a guide for us kind of this whole time. And so we felt like- The island of misfit okay. toys. <laughs> yes, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what you believe or where you're at, this is a place where you're welcome. Yeah. yeah. So I think that-, that um, did provide us a, a, a place of hope in our life in that season and still does. What do you think it takes for people to be in a place where they can like process those aha moments? Like what does it take to see something like that and then move towards it rather than be like, I don't want to think about that because that means loss or trouble or those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, I think what I've seen for myself and for others is you you need to see that someone else has maybe walked through the door ahead of you like mm -hmm. that to me was really key a lot of the way the language i use around um kind of like my relationship with with ryan and with eastlake is my steps really they my steps of curiosity and courage are really mm -hmm. on the back of the courage of ryan and of eastlake as a community so I don't know if I would have taken these steps. So even going back to what I talked about, like the LGBTQ plus conversation and human sexuality, I think I was feeling it internally, but I was like, I don't know who I can talk to about this. And then all of a sudden Eastlake the next month makes this announcement. And it was like this, okay, maybe, maybe I'm not as crazy as I thought I was. And okay, I think now I have some people I can like have a conversation to really figure this out with. Um, so I think that's a theme I see as I think about myself and like some of the closer relationships who have tried to journey on is we sort of need someone to to walk ahead of us and say like, come on, let's, <laughs> it's okay, come come join us. I can't really <laughs> tell you what's going to happen down that road, but but come on, it it could be fun. It could be it could give you a whole new sense of life and meaning that you never knew was was out there. Mm -hmm. 
Hey East Lake, Peter here. Thanks so much for tuning in to watch this message. I wanted to do just a quick interruption to say thank you to so many of you who are making regular contributions to Eastlake. Eastlake is a nonprofit and everything that we do is because of a community of consistent and generous people who really believe in this place and want to see it continue. So uh, if you're a part of that community, thank you for how you make this place go. If you are tuning in regularly and are part of this community, but you haven't yet um, jumped in to making a financial contribution, we would encourage you to do that and encourage you to go to eastlakecc.com to help support Eastlake as a community and continue to make these messages possible. Thanks so much for uh, letting me interrupt your message. Let's jump back in. I do think cultivating a, a way of being curious about the world and the courage to kind of follow through with those questions is, is really key to the process of being open to new kinds of things that don't necessarily fit with the old ways of things all the time. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I sort of think about it because I still have these conversations with people where, you know, I still have friends or acquaintances who are, want to like resave re me and get me back into the fold and stuff. And so, you know, when I have those conversations, um, I kind of always am in the back of my mind thinking like, okay, they're curious, but at, at some point their curiosity stops. Like they, hmm. they hit something that it's just all of a sudden it's that that's too far. And I, I think for me, I've wanted to have like the, like the integrity and the intellectual honesty to say, I'm not, I'm not going to be someone who just like, if I see something that makes me have this reaction of, of fear or anxiety, or um, I don't know, th that causes that kind of emotion in me to not just go, oh, there's no way I'm not even going to go down that path, but to maybe stop and recognize like, what am I feeling right now? Why am I feeling that? And what could be? Like, what could be if I were to be curious about the next thing or the next thing down the road? And I think that's a practice and that's hard. And I always find myself being like, so what, what is it? Like for, for some people you just, I, well, in, in my experience, it's like, as soon as you touch historical Jesus, they just are out of it. They're gone. They're out of the conversation. I won't even go there. We already know for many Christians, it's the Bible, but, um, but yeah, just wanting to have, like cultivate that curiosity in an, an ongoing way. Um, how has, okay. So like I, in that book, I think of, Mr. Plumbing and he like kind of, he goes into that curious mode and he starts like painting his house and adding things on and all this stuff. So where did your curiosity kind of take you? Where, what kinds of things are now part of your spirituality and how did you get there? It's kind of a loaded question. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot there. Um, I think what, where the best way to articulate, you know, and this is like the ongoing journey, right? It's like, it's ever evolving um, and changing and, and, but even I that's think, a place though, sorry, I'm about to interrupt you, but even that's a place of like an understanding that everything is evolving and everything is always changing. Like that's a place to be. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I think like, if I were to articulate what I'm, I'm want right. Well, at least right now, how I would identify sort of like where I'm at and uh, in this conversation, it's like I want 
my spirituality to um, help me to become more and more deeply like human in who I am. So, so I think about um, something that Bethel Lee said one of the first times that she spoke at um, Eastlake where she was talking about like this pursuit of like the superhuman. And I think she was trying to talk about how like in, in the spiritual sense, sometimes we're trying to become that like super spiritual human thing. And she kind of stopped for a moment and said that the pursuit of that can often disconnect us from the very reality of what it means to be human. And like, mm-hmm. that is what our lived experience is. It's like, that's what we are here on this, this earth and who, for me now, who knows what happens beyond this or if anything <laughs> happens, I'm not really sure. Um, but that really rung with me because I think what I want for myself is that my spirituality will inform what it means to become more deeply human and then create that kind of space for others. Like I want it to be like mm-hmm. so rooted in that and that it's even like in playing out like in my career where I, I do diversity and inclusion work. And one of the beautiful things that I get to do is is try and like create that space where people's true selves can come out like, in the corporate life. And um, it's wonderful to see that actually happening in a corporate space. But what you find is everybody has all these masks and layers and you're trying to peel back and peel back and peel back. And I think what I hope is that because of the journey I've gone on um, of peeling back some of those layers of, of my belief and you know my childhood wounds and, and like doing some of that deeper internal work it will help me to go into those spaces to help them become more human and just to like bring their full selves to what they're doing. And so, so yeah, I'm kind of rambling, but that, that's sort of like where I'm at now is like, that's what I really want to be about. And that's what spirituality is, is sort of looking like for me. You mentioned a bit about like identity and I feel like so much of the struggle, not so much. I feel like part of the struggle um, in letting go of something that is very kind of like clear and concrete is like that identity that I used to have being part of this group of people. And now what what is my identity now? Um, and have you processed that question and where have you landed? And why do you think people, why do you think we have that need? Yeah. Oh, that's been a, such a huge part of the past couple of years because, um, like for me, so I'm an Enneagram three. So my identity is wrapped up in what I do or what I accomplish. And so for me, for, you know, 15 years, it was pastor. That's, that's my identity. So as that has kind of had to get the layers pulled back on that and really be even being confronted on it too, of like, my identity cannot be wrapped up in that because that is no longer my career you know, that's not my path anymore. So it's, it's sort of forced me to have to ask new questions. And, and um, it makes me think of like the, the book, The Critical Journey. That was one that was like a really big one for me as it relates to like the different um, stages of the spiritual journey that, that a person goes on. And, and it like kind of gives you some language for that one. Um, but it kind of makes me think about that, that the evangelical tradition, I mean, one of the, I, I'm going to quote it wrong now because I haven't read the Bible for quite, some time um, in this season of life, but there's one that's something like, like more of Jesus and less of me or more of Christ mm-hmm. and, and less of me. And it's, so it's like that language is sort of telling you 
you're not really supposed to do all of that deep internal work. Like at some point you need to just kind of forget about you. Hmm. And it's just supposed to be like Jesus kind of replaces you. And, and so it's kind of like, yeah. so I feel like that um, language was so part of like who I am. It was just like, like less of me, less of me, kind of have to suppress me, suppress me. And hmm. so then to move to this place where I no longer am a Christian by title has allowed me the freedom to go, wait, what is there of me? Like, who am I? Ask some of those questions. And, and for me specifically right now, it's been a lot about my, like, my racial heritage as a mixed race, native Hawaiian, Japanese, white, American. Um, <laughs> asking the questions about that part of my identity yeah. because that's a space that I just sort of never really touched throughout all of my childhood and growing up. And then I think Christianity took me at a place of, you know, like I said, like, you know, I really need to explore that. It's just like go out and save some people for the, for the sake of the kingdom. And it's like, just mm-hmm. focus all your energy on that. And it's, it's okay to let some of these other things go. But I've really tried to lean into that space because I'm realizing there's a lot there that um, just has not been touched or had conversations about. That's so interesting. I'm so glad you said that because I do feel like that is so much of the message I got, which is like self-sacrifice, um, and where that kind of takes you and leaves you is really disconnected from who you actually are. Yeah. But I've never thought about it that way. So thank you for that. Um, I feel like because you were, you know, Pastor Gary, um, once this started to kind of like come out and you figured out you had to kind of leave this profession, um, I know you probably had difficult conversations with everybody who was a part of your church and the denomination and all of that. And I know how those conversations go. But did you have people, did you have people who reach out to you that were like, finally, thank you? Or, hey, I feel like I want to be where you are. And how do I do that? What were those kinds of conversations like? Yeah. Um, I mean, unfortunately, I feel like I, I didn't have a ton of that. It was much more the opposite of, like, how, how could you? <laughs> um, like, I remember, actually, was, I got an email from, well, I guess, let me give some context. So I had about 25 churches and organizations who funded our church plant in, in California. So when I finally chose to be, like, changing our whole policies and our whole belief set around inclusion, <laughs> I had to have a conversation with every single one of those funders they all said like, bye-bye, you don't get any more money, we don't support you anymore, which I know the East Lake people, you, you all know what this journey is like. But I remember getting an email from one and I, I read that it was just like, like the first line of it was like, I don't know how in the world you could have gotten to this. And then I, I scanned the email and it was just verse after verse after verse after oh, verse. And I just hit delete. I was like, I'm not even gonna read the thing. I'm just, I can't do that right now. So um, I guess getting back to what you're saying, like. Those were honestly most of my conversations were, were a lot more the, like, hold on, are you sure you want to do this? You're going to ruin your church and you're going to, mm-hmm. like, you're going to go to hell for this and people showing up to my church to confront me about it and and constantly having to have those kinds of conversations where I felt like the to have ones with people who were kind of, like, embracing the curiosity too um, there were few and far between. It would be maybe mm-hmm. a, like a, a high five from, from afar, like, good job, way to go. But <laughs> that was sort of all I was getting in that particular season. Yeah. Um, towards the end of the book, he says, um, my house is me and I am it. It looks like all of my dreams. So when you look 
at kind of where you're at now? Um, do you feel like, do you feel happy about it? Do you feel content in it? Or is there any part of you that's still anxious or like, does it feel like kind of what you could have dreamed up for yourself? Well, I can say I never would have dreamed that I would be where I'm at right now <laughs> as it relates to my spirituality. Like, oh my gosh. So, I mean, it's kind of wild to think it was only two years ago that I, I left my profession as an evangelical pastor. Like it hasn't even been that long that I've been sort of out of that bubble. Um, but if I do think about like where I'm at and where my partner is at and where our family is in all of this, like I feel, I feel this sense of like freedom and contentedness. It's like to be living out in the great wild open. Um, it's it's invigorating and it's it's almost like it's invigorating because I think again getting back to that curiosity thing of like oh what could be in the next five ten years of of who we become, um, but at the same time it does come with this like I'm trying to think of what the right word is. Because it's not like it's like anxiety, but it's just like this like feeling of um, because you don't know, you don't know. <laughs> and I think I was so used to having that certainty of I knew what my career was. I knew what my belief set was. Mm -hmm. I, I knew what my who my community was. So all of that has been stripped away. And so now it's like, oh, we're just like out in the open waters, just sort of like. <laughs> I don't know, we're just kind of going. We don't really know the destination exactly, but there's a lot of open water out here that we can explore and um, be on this journey together as a family. And to me, that's that's an exciting place to be um, amidst all of the unknowns. It does feel like the great wide open sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, Anything else that, like, when you were thinking about this time with us, is there anything else, the questions I didn't ask that you thought of and kind of thinking through, where was I, where am I now, you know, that kind of thing? Yeah, I think, um, so going back to what you were talking about, like, what were the the, or the splot moments or, um, like, ways that I started to, begin a new path or begin a new journey and thinking about some other like really pivotal things. Like I did spiritual direction for about two years. Um, and that was like a really formative season. Cause I, I did that when it was like right at the end of when I kind of knew my, my church plant was going to crumble. It was going to, my dream that I had for all these years is it's, I'm going to have to say goodbye to it. And that was a really challenging thing to have to like face head on and realize I really had no control on, on what, what was going to happen. I think about one thing uh, Meek said to me at, through that process was um, pursue integration, let go of results. Hmm. Pursue integration and let go of results. And so what he meant by that was like, live as a fully integrated person, be the same person you are in every single room you go into. And then again, as a three, that's one of those ones that's really challenging because we sort of, whatever room we're in, we take the identity that is necessary to be, to look successful in that space. And I kind of hmm. had to look at my own identity in that regard of, um, I want to be cut to feel like I'm fully whole and that I can go in any space and really own what I think and who I am and what I believe and like all of that stuff. 
but I would have to let go of the results. So like, <laughs> I'm going to be not successful to many people because my dream is going to have to crumble or fall uh, very publicly. People are going to see that. Um, and so going back to spiritual direction, how that was like such a, a key um, part of it because like I needed to have someone to really walk with me through that season. And, and what I loved about the spiritual direction was that it was, um, what's the phrase they use? Just hold space. Yeah. It's just somebody just held space for me in that. Like they didn't come in saying, well, here's the next five or 10 things you need to do, which I was sort of used to in the evangelical world. That's what we do. If we prescribe yeah. the steps for people to make sure that we, we get them to where we want to get them to get to. <laughs> um, so to have someone just hold that space, that was one of those like, I don't know, just so, so powerful and formative for me. Um, and to have the right person that was really journeying alongside me um, and holding that space. Um, so that practice was was like really profound experience. And then even doing a couple of like, um, like I did a silent retreat in San Francisco for three days and to literally be there, you're not allowed to talk for the entire weekend. That sounds I'm dreamy. Extrovert. <laughs> Dreamy for Sounds me. Sounds great to you. Yeah, oh for me. Oh, I have two little kids and a husband who likes to tell stories and I'm an introvert. I'm like, oh my God, three days of silence. I don't know how much money I would pay for Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Especially in the COVID era of like, yeah. when you have kids, they're literally always there. All the time. Mm. Always. Okay. But anyways, but, I interrupted <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um. Like that was huge because, you know, I'm the opposite. I'm like the extrovert that I walk in a room and I'm like, I want to mingle with everybody. And, and I even got <laughs> reprimanded for it because I was like the one that created the first conversation. I was like, what's everybody here for? I'd love to hear your journeys. And then the facilitator's like, please stop that. Um, so then I have to go through the rest of the weekend. And I remember even feeling it in my body. Like, I think that's something I started to notice was like all this intellectual work I was doing and, and these conversations I was having with people, it was like, the weight of that was showing up in my body where I remember feeling mm. in the middle of the weekend, it felt like I just had this massive boulder on my shoulders where I was just like so uncomfortable. And by the end of the weekend, I started to feel like, oh, I don't feel so heavy anymore because mm. I was actually doing some of this internal work very intentionally to not be noisy and just add another thing, some kind of external thing to distract me to, from these feelings I was having. Um, and so just thinking back to that, like that was such a critical piece of me being able to kind of like confront my dream, my failure, failure it, it, from that standpoint of like what a three would look like a success for, right? Yeah. Um, and then go, okay, I'm going to step into what could be next in, into the, the freedom of what my journey might take me to. Um, this is kind of random, but I was thinking about that process for you and like in the evangelical world, there's very specific practices that kind of carry you through, um, you know, reading your Bible, praying, fasting, like all those different things that we were kind of trained in and led others to do. What kinds of things do you do now? Do you have practices, um, things that ground you, things that make you feel like you're connected to the divine? Like what kinds of things have you incorporated? Yeah, um, I think like many at, at East Lake, meditation has been a big one. Like that's, um, you know, I've got rock in my headspace app these days. <laughs> and that's been a great way to sort of center. And when I'm having my moments where I'm feeling very anxious, it just helps me to kind of slow down. So that's been a really big one. Um, prayer's kind of funny for me. I still don't really know what to do with that one because yeah. my like knee jerk kind of 
starting is always to be like, geez, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) Like, I don't have to do that anymore, but that's sort of my default mode that I get Mm -hmm. into and I have to catch myself in. And so I think what it sort of looks like now is I'm just trying to, like what what I want or what I desire, just to sort of state it. Um, Mm -hmm. But not that I'm asking some kind of deity to give it to me, Hmm. but it's just, I want to state it because it's something I really care about. And I want that type of energy to like go out somewhere Hmm. because, um, yeah, it's even one of those like curiosities, like what could be if I just kind of put it out there into the space and (laughs) into the world in a new way. And, um, so yeah, that's sort of what that looks like for me and still, still figuring that one out. Yeah. A lot of people ask me about that and um, I went through a really long time where I didn't even attempt what kind of used to be prayer, Um, but now I am and it's different and it feels harder, Um, but because I'm having all these mind games, like while I'm trying to like of like, who am I talking to and why am I doing this? There's no one, like I, so it's kind of a mind game. Um, but I do feel like a little bit of, um, conviction that like, I need to, like, I need to work that out somehow because I still feel Mm. this desire to connect outside of myself, um, in some way that is meaningful and hopeful. And even if it's maybe just processing out loud, you know, for someone like me, that's an internal processor, but I, I have just recently just kind of been like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to figure out what I what I think prayer is or what it could be for me. Um, that's not, you know, an asking for a divine intervention anymore. So yeah, it's yeah. challenging to yeah. try these new things. You're going to have to tell me what's helping you. Yeah. I'd love more detail on that <laughs> because I could use some tips there. <laughs> Don't quite have it figured out yet, but I also find that I just, I just say that out loud. Like I just start to say like, wow, this feels like the way it used to be. And I don't, I don't believe that anymore. Like I just say that out loud. Um, But yeah, there's something for me at the end of the day that just needs to connect or process outside of myself. So. Yeah. It's like, it's there. You feel it in your body. It's like, it needs to go somewhere. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask you a question real quick? Yeah. I, I'm just thinking about this, like, you know, the word curiosity keeps coming up as we're chatting. Like, what, where do you find your curiosity taking you right now as you think about just, like, our conversation and um, the work you're doing? Um, well, I'm very curious. I have not been one that's been able to, like, move on completely from my heritage or my, what I used to think and believe, you know, believe. Um, so I'm, I'm curious about how to integrate some of that still, like an appreciation and what still holds value for me. Um, and maybe it's because I'm a, I'm a six, I'm the loyalist. Like I just cannot let go of things very well. Um, but I am trying to figure out how do I integrate Jesus? Like who do I think Jesus was and is and, um, so I'm trying to work that out and what do I think the Bible is? Peter and I touched a little bit on that in our conversation. 
Um, I'm curious about our bodies and like you talked about a little bit of like the energy and um, I feel like the evangelical world was very separate. Like your body is separate mm. from your mind and your soul spirit. Um, and so I'm, I am more curious on how they really are all connected and how so. And um, so, yeah, I'm I like, I think I said this years ago, but I still find the energy stuff to be really interesting um, because it's true. Like, I, I know that's true. Like when you walk into a room with certain people, there's an energy that you feel. What is that? Where did that come from? Um, and there's like what feels like a spiritual connection when you realize um, when you're on the same page as someone or when you feel like you really are connecting. Like this is a beautiful human being made in the image of a creator. That's still, I still think that there's some sort of creation process that made all of us. And I just, so that kind of connection still really means a lot to me. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I try to find new language for what used to be. I would say like, you know, the spirit of God told me this was, you know, and I'm yeah. like, what? So what is that now? Because it was a feeling I had um, what is that now? Is that the energy of the universe made me feel like I should, you know, like those kinds of words. Know, it's, all, right? yeah. it's all words that don't, can never match up to what's actually happening. So I think I'm trying to find words that make sense for me now. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm always curious on, on, uh, just hearing where people are at. So thanks for sharing. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time and for joining us. I know East Lakers just Love you and so appreciate all that you've done with us over these last few years. So, and I'm so excited about your job, like what you're actually doing in the corporate world. Man, I just feel like, um, what an important role. Thanks for doing that. Thanks for like pursuing what it looks like to have fully human beings working together towards whatever it is, T-Mobile or, <laughs> you know. Yeah, right, like, yeah. Yeah, so... I'm just thrilled that you're able to do that for a job still. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 It's been, it's definitely been a gift and connected a lot to the, I feel like the work that I've done as a pastor. So it's kind of interesting to see, see those themes and threads start to, yeah. to fit together in it's a part whole of, new, new way. Part of who you are. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Gary Hill, thank you so much. We hope to talk to you soon. All right. Have a good one. <laughs> This is where we go Don't forget how far Thank you for joining us. To make a donation, head to eastlakecc.com slash donate.